We've got two readings today. The first reading is Ephesians 6, 1 to 9, and the second reading is 1 Timothy 5, verses 1 to 8. Ephesians 6, verses 1 to 9. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear, and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them, not only to win their favour when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly, as if you are serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Now turn to the second reading, 1 Timothy 5. Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repairing their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. The widow who is really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and to ask God for help. But the widow who lives for pleasure is dead, even while she lives. Give the people these instructions so that no one may be open to blame. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. This is the word of the Lord. Um, let me have my welcome then. Good evening, my name's Matt. Uh, I'm a senior pastor here. And uh, would you turn back with me to page 184, because um, that's actually where we're going to spend our time in Deuteronomy chapter 5. As uh, was mentioned, we're... Um, we're looking at the Ten Words, uh, often called Ten Commandments, uh, these Ten Words, these broad principles of uh, life within which we operate with enormous freedom. And uh, so on page 184, how are we doing? We've got to 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, chapter 5 and verse 16. Here's where we spend our time tonight. Deuteronomy 5, verse 16. Honour your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land your, the Lord your God is giving you. Let me lead us in prayer as we begin. Our great God and Father, we thank you, of course, for the timeless wisdom of your word. And in many ways, here is a command which 
uh, we'd only had to work too hard to understand. But Father, please would you be at work with us, amongst us, in us this evening by your Spirit, so that we do understand what it means for us in our culture, in our families, in our particular settings. Help us to live this way, we pray. And so honor you. And we recognize it is for our good. It is, as Paul writes, a commandment with a great blessing and promise attached. So, Father, would we live this way for your honor, for our good, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, uh, this commandment, the fifth commandment, is a strange one in, in a sense because uh, I take it as a, for us gathered here this evening, for, for a number here of the ten words, the ten commandments, it's the easiest. Uh, and yet for others, it's the most difficult. So it's slightly quirky in that sense. So if some would say, oh yeah, mum and dad, they're, they're great. And I phone them sort of once a week. Maybe could do a bit more, but there it is. And uh, when I go home, they feed me well. I get some TLC. Terrific. This is a good commandment. Uh, don't get angry. Don't lust. You are. I may do a little less well on them. But um, this one, I'm good. But for others here this evening, well, look, some have had terrible parents and have been neglected and unloved, and bullied, and abused. And every time you hear a word or a sentence such as honor your parents, it's still a knife in the heart because of experiences you've had. And so it's quite different for a crowd gathered here this evening. And so for some, I know, I know this is really hard. Uh, for others, you're thinking, oh, golly, uh, uh, mum and dad are pretty great. Well, I, I hopefully you'll realize there's a little bit more to the command or the word than perhaps at first glance you'd see or think. Let me take a step back. Uh, ten commandments, ten words. They're never called the ten commandments in the Bible, actually. But the ten words, uh, most times throughout history, people have divided them into two tables or two halves. The first four and then the second six. Uh, and the first four, beginning, uh, love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, um, excuse me, uh, uh, where are we? You should have no other gods before me uh, in uh, verse 7. The, um, they're sort of Godward looking, how you relate to him, the first four commandments. And then the second six are more uh, other person-centered, how you relate to humanity, it's why broadly people say, yeah, Jesus would say they're summed up by, how do you sum up the commandments? Love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then secondly, love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, and that's true. So we begin the, the, the sort of second block, the sort of people would uh, looking. And it begins with this one, honor your parents. Honor your father and your mother equally, both of them. And the reason it seems to start here is that, as we'll see, how you relate to your parents, it, it flows out into all your relationships. And it flows out into society in an enormous way. If you fail to get this one, understand this one, 
learn this one, particularly in childhood, perhaps in the home, you'll never be ready for adult life. Or it'll take you, it'll be much harder for you adjusting to adult life. There's a sense in which this commandment shapes the flow of all human relationships. Honor. Honor your father and your mother. The Hebrew word, it it literally means heavy or or, or weighty. Treat as substantial, not of girth, but treat as uh, significant, your mother and your father. So the opposite would be to treat your parents, your mum and dad, as of little significance, of no great value, to disparage them. So treat them as heavy, treat them as weighty, treat them as they're very important. But there's no outline as such because uh, it's going to be very simple. I'm going to work through it like this. There's only one verse. Why do we honor? How do we honor? And then we spend a little bit of time on the strength we need to honor. Okay. Why, how, and a bit of strength that we need. Very simple. Let's work through it then. Uh, why do we honor? Chapter 5, verse 16, there's a command, but there's a promise, do you see, that goes with it. Uh, Honor your father and your mother, so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. It's the sort of Star Trek blessing, live long and prosper, for those who like such things. Um, But uh, that's essentially what he's saying. Now, in Deuteronomy, it's a very common phrase, that it will go well with you. That is always attached to, if you, if you obey what the Lord says, it will go well with you. So you don't need to turn at all a, a page, but just look across. Chapter 5, verse 29. The Lord said, Oh, that their hearts will be inclined to me, and they'll keep all my commandments always, so that it might go well with them and their children forever. Chapter 6, verse 3. Hear, O Israel, be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you. Chapter 6, verse 18. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight, so that it may go well with you. So this is one of the common Deuteronomy blessing. If you obey the Lord, it will go well with you. And so right at the very beginning of these people would facing words, commands, the, the, the back six, God says, look, there's a promise attached to this. It is for your good. And there's a sense in which how you treat your parents is a reflection of how you treat God. Because from a very young age, your parents are in the primary place of authority in your life. So to reject your parents and fail to obey them, you are saying functionally or or practically, I I reject the Lord. It's quite a promise. I think of the promise it would have been for, uh, for them back then. If you... I think it works both singularly and plural, actually, within the book of Deuteronomy. If, if you obey your parents, it will go well with you. Chiefly, it's a corporate promise. It will go well with your culture. It will go well with your society. Now, that should not be a surprise to us. Stable families, strong society. You can turn up, turn to any social scientist. You don't need to be Christian, doesn't need to be right-wing or left-wing. Any social scientist will tell you that a stable home is always best for society. 
the breakdown of family stability will lead to high rates of child depression, high rates of child obesity, high rates of child violence, antisocial behavior, high rates of teen drug abuse, high rates of teen um, pregnancy, high rates of teen-on-teen -teen murder. Just statistically, from a broken family, it's not inevitable, of course, but the breakdown of the family, you are statistically far less likely to do well. Now, in that sense, here, Deuteronomy is saying, look, stable families, it's not the only element, of course, but honoring your, stable families will produce a coherent society. It will go well with you. Biblically, it's very striking, particularly when you get to the New Testament, that every list of sins, of the worst sins, contains within it disobeying your parents. Just striking little thing. So uh, I don't know if we've got... Um, Romans 1, um, sort of long list of his, here's what a rejection of God leads to. So people who reject the Lord, they're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They're gossip, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Or um, similarly, uh, one, uh, 2 Timothy 3 uh, the time will come. There'll be terrible times in the last days. So what will that look like? People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, dis abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. But it's just, it's just always there in a list. And you know, if you've got to write a list, if you always went out into the street and say, go on then, write, write a list, your, your, your top 10 worst things that people can do. I don't think disobeying parents would be in there, but biblically it always is. By contrast, the impact of the gospel, the impact of someone becoming a believer in Jesus Christ, well, is to change that around. So Malachi 4 will predict, when uh, John the Baptist, the one like Elijah comes, ahead of Jesus, this is what will happen. See, I'll send the prophet Elijah to you before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children, the hearts of their children to their parents. Oh, this sort of fundamental relationship gets restored. Well, that's an impact of people trusting in Jesus. And that gets fulfilled. Luke chapter 1 is the promise given to uh, John the Baptist's dad. It's just the fulfillment of that. The hearts of the parents, their children, the disobedience, the wisdom of the righteous, they'll be turned back. So there is something just biblically fundamental about honor and obedience in the home that will impact the whole structure of society. Striking. And that's why, in part, that historically the church has always taken the fifth commandment as applying to all relationships where there is a senior and a junior. Now, those are slightly pejorative terms, well, not pejorative, some people hear them as such. But senior and junior. So we had read um, Ephesians 6, where there is parent and child, or employer-employee, or older man-younger man, 1 Timothy 5, or elsewhere in, in the Bible, uh, church leaders, church members, uh, prophets, people, uh, military leaders, soldiers. These relationships are all described, actually, as father and mother to children. All those different ones, prophets, 
in the Old Testament, military leaders, kings, all rulers in the New Testament, parents, church leaders, government, they're all described as fathers and mothers or parents over children. There's this structure of senior and junior in the Bible. And the senior is always to sacrificially serve the junior. And the junior is always to humbly obey the senior. It's where we get the word submit in the New Testament. It's what's going on. That's the pattern. The Bible never goes for egalitarianism. We're all the same, aren't we? Uh, you may be my teacher. I may be 12 years old, but I'm going to call you Bob. And uh, we're going to negotiate about what's going on. Mm -mm -mm. No, don't do that. It's, the Bible never goes for egalitarianism. It never goes for authoritarianism. I'm the boss, do you know what I say? No. It never goes for that either. It's always this mutuality. Ju senior, junior. Senior sacrificially serves the junior. Junior humbly obeys the senior. That's the pattern, the model. And that all flows from this primary setting of parents and child, senior, junior. Of course, some individuals will abuse their roles, some parents will do a bad job, some employers will do a bad job, yeah, yeah, and some, of course, people abuse, individuals abuse the roles, of course, but it doesn't mean that it's not the best way and the biblical way things are set up. And so even in that list, 1 Timothy 5, senior, junior, young person, you should honor, respect old person. I really enjoyed, I don't know how many people watched the Queen's speech at Christmas this year. There was one telling line. I mean, why she didn't allow herself a smile, I don't know. But do you remember the line, if you saw it, I won't do the voice. Some, um, some cultures believe a long life brings wisdom. I like to think so. It's just a great line. If you're the queen and have ruled for years in your 80s, that's just a great line, isn't it? Um, not even a smile or a wink. Completely deadpan. But um, that's a sort of, there is a biblical, she's making a biblical assumption there. It's not just some cultures. The, the Bible would assume that too. So this structure of relationships that the fifth commandment introduces, it is just woven throughout the Bible. And that's why I say, if you don't understand this, all sorts of relationships will go wrong in life, in the workplace, as you relate to others. All sorts of things will go wrong if you haven't got this one. Okay? That's why. That's why we honor. It'll go well with you when you honor the wisdom of parents, seniors. Okay? That's why. How? I've spent a little bit longer here. How do we honor? Verse 16, honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you. How? Now, this will vary in the different seasons of life. For the risk of trying to be simple or simplistic, let me chop it up into three, okay? Three different chunks of life of roughly 20, 25 years. Okay? For 20 years of childhood, obey. For 20-odd years of, as a young adult, share. For 20 years, not quite probably, uh, but as your parents decline, support them. You obey as a kid, you share as a young adult, you support them when they're old. It's simplistic. But let me spend a bit of time on those. 
First then, in childhood, obey. Obey is not a very hard word to understand. Do as you're told. Okay? In childhood. Now, I think it used to be taken for granted in, in our culture that kids would obey their parents. Nowadays, less so. Uh, increasingly, stories of uh, adults who, who are flawed and cannot be trusted and neglected their children, yes. And there's a slight view that change, um, uh, uh, children are unspoiled angels. Uh, so perhaps this is less assumed than it used to be. But biblically, obey. Again, you've got to learn this. this you've got to learn this in childhood. It's the basic pattern for so many relationships of life. You might get away with, why should I, when you're a child? You need to obey me. Why should I? You might even get away with that at school. You tend to get away with it a little bit less when you're an adult in the workplace. Can you just um, complete this piece of work for me? Why should I? Because you'd be fired if you don't. Well, you probably won't be fired, but you get a written warning or a verbal warning. and then um, it's, just, it's fundamental. Obey as a child. All sorts of questions, of course, come from this. Question, are there limits to a child's obedience? Uh, yes, but not very many. Uh, yes, if you're asked by a parent to do something contrary to God's will, don't do it. This is the fifth commandment. The first commandment is, you should have no other gods before me, including you should not love your parents more than me, says the Lord, strikingly. So he comes first. So that's one thing. If, if, if you're asked to do something contrary to the, the Bible, don't do it. There's one obvious exception, sin. Um, what about as an adult question? Well, the Bible is clear that when you marry, you leave home and you create a new family unit. And at that point, you don't obey your parents. It is good to take counsel from them, to ask wisdom from them, but you don't obey them. It is inappropriate, wrong for a parent to demand obedience from a married child. No. Question, um, but what about, you know, what if I'm 25, 30 years old and have left home? I'm like, obey? Well, some of these things are worked out culturally, I think. So there's a sense in which certainly while you're financially dependent upon your parents, I think you're a child under their roof. Even if you're a student at university, you're still reliant upon them financially. In age 18, you're meant to be an adult. <laughs> um, I don't know about you, I was not. Um, but um, it's a, that's just a random, arbitrary thing. But economic independence makes a difference when you're living in your own place, rented, uh, financially, you can stand on your two, own two feet. Those things make a difference, of course. I mean, some here are, you know, financially very stable. You're on the other side of the world from your parents, etc., etc. Of course, you, there is a sort of sense of independence that comes when, I mean, the clue's in the word in one sense. You, you move from obedience to a little more independence when you're not dependent, I mean, the clue's slightly there, financially, practically upon your parents. That must make a difference or create a different dynamic. So I would suggest that for some here as students, that while your parents still financially support you, you're still at home. And therefore, the command to obey is more incumbent upon you than someone who is working and has economic independence. Let me try and ground it a little bit. Um, 
give you one practical example. Uh, I became a Christian during my time at university, and uh, then I, I didn't go home very much. I went home for a week or two at Christmas, but every Easter holiday, I stayed at university and uh, worked to earn money, uh, and every summer holiday, I went away. Uh, whoo, just went overseas uh, for as many weeks as I could possibly uh, squeeze out of the holiday. Uh, and that was a sort of pattern I got after becoming a Christian my first year at university. My third year at university, uh, just, uh, I'd finished all my exams and uh, goodness knows what I was doing, playing a lot of tennis, I think, um, and uh, before graduating, etc. And that summer I was due to go to Pakistan. I was going to go work, work alongside some missionaries. I thought that's what I might do uh, uh, for a good chunk of my life. Uh, and so that was the plan, go to Pakistan. And then something like three weeks or two weeks before graduation, uh, parents phoned and said, we don't understand, my parents are not Christians, we, we don't understand why you want to go to Pakistan as a Christian to tell Muslims about Jesus, that they don't want you. We don't get it. In truth, we're not sure who you are anymore. We're not proud of who you are. We're not going to come to your graduation. And when you've graduated, we want you to come home and take all your possessions out of our house. Because we don't know you anymore. And we don't think you're our son anymore. That is a pretty devastating phone call. And the phone the conversation ended. And I just sat there. And God's kindness, about three minutes later, the phone rang again. I thought it was mum and dad calling back to say, sorry, we overstated it. It wasn't. Uh, I lived with a number of blokes. One of them was a Christian. It was his mum, Wendy. Hello, Matt. How are you? And um, I cried down the phone to Wendy and uh, talked her through what was going on. She's a very wise woman. She listened and she prayed down the phone and said, uh, you've made mistakes. You should have gone home and honored your parents. You need to go and spend time with them. You should not go to Pakistan this summer. You should go and spend the summer at home. And that's what I did. And she was right. I had made mistakes. I hadn't spent enough time with my parents after becoming a Christian. And I was still dependent upon them. So that was the right advice and the right counsel. Five years later, uh, I um, decided to quit uh, my job and train as a Christian minister. Uh, now, at that stage, things are a bit different. Mum and Dad still very disappointed and very opposed to, the, to that decision. But it was a bit different then. I was economically my own guy, mid-twenties, and, so, and I'd spent a lot of time with them. I made sure I went and they got the fact that even though I'd become a Christian, I was still their son. And so even though the, the, the conversation was not a good one and they were not happy, it was okay. And they said, we think you're a idiot, but um, good luck. It was a bit different then. I was older, and I'd spent the time with them. In childhood at bay, that sort of scenario, I think it's somewhat similar. If uh, you're going out with someone, you want to get married to them, your, your, your uh, parents are, are, are disapproving, uh, you know, be careful on that, I would just say. 
make sure you get phone Wendy, okay? <laughs> I can give you her number, Wendy Grant. Um, she's still one of the wisest, kindest women I've ever met. Um, but take counsel. Don't rush. Take your time. Go slow on that. In childhood obey. As a young adult, share. And of course, this is where most here are this evening, I guess. As a young adult, share. It's a bit different now. You're financially independent. Some of you are married. You're on the other side of the world, etc. So what does it mean to honor parents? What does it mean to treat them as weighty and not insignificant? And let me tell you, what most of your parents want is for you to share your lives with them. That's what they want. That's what they want from you right now. Thank them. Thank your parents for the values they taught you. Dad, I'm really grateful that you taught me how to operate a budget and not waste money, how to wallpaper a lounge, how to paint, how to do practical things. Half my mates can't even change a life bulb. Life bulb? Light bulb. Um, can't change a light bulb to save their life. That's probably what was going on there. They can't change a light bulb. Just take that, you know, you had that for free. Um, but thank you. Thank you for when I moaned and groaned about uh, having to go out and saw things in the garden. You taught me how to construct stuff. I hated it at the time, but now it's really useful. Thank you. Thank you. Mom, thank you for all you taught me about how to look after people, the value of cards, whatever it may be. Thank you. They want to know that. It's a right. It's honoring them. And then let them into your life. Share the, share the highs and lows of your life. You know, you phone home. Oh, hello, darling. Whatever they call you. Hello, Muppet. Uh, hello, offspring. Um, oh, hello, unwanted child. Or whatever they call you. Um, hello, darling. Uh, what have you been up to? Nothing much. Oh, right. See anyone? A few friends. You know, I'm talking to the blokes here probably, aren't I? Um, uh, okay, okay. Um, they just want to know what's going on in your life. I think it's just honoring them to share your life. It's not much. It's not a big deal. Involve them in your decisions, not to obey, but to seek their counsel. I remember age 25, uh, talking through with my dad. Uh, age 25, um, uh, I was going to buy a flat with a mate. Um, and uh, my, my father thought this was ridiculous. What are you doing? You're not, you're not married to this guy? Obviously not. The, um, you know, you're not, um, uh, what are you doing? You're buying with a friend. It'll all go wrong. You'll all fall out. You'll, you'll lose money. It's a terrible decision. What on earth are you doing? Just get married um, to a girl and, and buy a place with her. We're going to say, what are you doing? He just, was, he just couldn't, I mean, he's a very sensible bloke, but this was, everyone is odd on something, and he was just a bit odd on this. And so I thought, okay, now I've learned my lesson. I need to sit down and spend time and take him through the numbers and show him we've got a plan, show him the contract the two of us had drawn up legally. And, oh, okay, oh, okay, 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 okay. Like, just honoring him rather than freaking him out that I was doing something he disagreed with. But of course, he had wisdom to add. Uh, he helped. Your parents will still have lots of wisdom and lots more wisdom than you in many areas of life. Question, what do you do as a young, young adult if it's really hard to honor your parents? Because, you know, as people have said to me, how do I, how do I honor my dad 
when in his 50s, he's left mom and is now going out with a woman younger than me. How do I honor him? How do I honor my parents when they have made it pretty clear I was not wanted as a child and they were very cold towards me? How do I honor them? Or the very worst, how do I honor my father when he abused me? Yeah, that's really hard. You cannot honor sinful behavior. Okay? You never honor sinful behavior. Of course, the striking thing about this command, it doesn't say, on the other hand, honor your parents when they're honorable. Honor your parents when they deserve it and have earned it. It just says honor them. So what do you do if, you're, if your parents are committing sinful behavior and it's personally hard? Well, you have to try and forgive. We'll come back to that. But I think in part, it's you don't, you don't have to honor their sin, but you don't expose it either. Now, look, we need to be honest with a few people. All of us need to share our lives with a few, but you don't ridicule your parents you don't tell anyone who will listen, oh, my dad's such an idiot. He's run off with a 22-year-old girl. I can't believe it. He's such an idiot. You don't, one says you don't add to their shame or publicize their shame. I think that's dishonoring. Forgive me, personal anecdotes. I, I, never, I never really liked my paternal grandfather, my dad's dad. I didn't, he never struck me as a child as a very kind person, the way he spoke and but my parents always made me uh, treat him well and go and see him and spend time with him and be polite, of course. Uh, he had died, and I remember as a late teenager, early adult, late teenager, my dad then sharing a bit more about his upbringing, about the violence in the home, um, the lies, the deceit. Uh, oh, right. Oh, you never told me any of this. Why are you telling me this now? Well, it's your history. You should know and understand it. But it wouldn't have been right to tell you these things while Grandad was alive. He's been dead a few years now. I feel I can tell you, and you're a little older. Okay. Now, I think that was him honoring a very difficult father. I think. I think he probably got that right. In Childhood Obey, as a young adult share, in your parents' old age, support them. We had read 1 Timothy 5. 1 Timothy 5 is very clear. Uh, failure to uh, care, support for your parents financially, and you're worse than an unbeliever. That's quite strong, isn't it? That's really strong. Now, in the 21st century, many of us, not all, but many of us will have parents financially more able or, or, or better off than us. Um, that's the way our culture kind of works at this moment in time. Not all of us. That probably not many of us in the West will provide for our parents financially. Uh, those from Asia, there's different traditions and cultures going on. Um, but practically, you have to care. And it can be hard work. It's quite common that your parents need you acutely, 40s, perhaps 50s, and you can become what's known as the, it's called the sandwich generation. You're trying to raise small children and care for your parents as they return to their second childhood. 
This is quite hard work. Sorting things out for them practically, accompanying them on hospital visits, just going and visiting on a regular basis. If you're an only child or the only one nearby, just on your time, it's very demanding. And of course, some of you know that very well. It's good, you know, the little group that meets here at church, caring for carers, those who are precisely in that moment of life when it's exhausting and takes up a lot of your weekends and you just work hard in the week, do stuff for your parents on the day off you've got. It's just relentless. Yeah, certainly in my own life, I'd say this is, this is the tough bit. But it is certainly not the case that I did more for my parents than they ever did for me. And that will be true for the overwhelming majority of us. That when it comes to it, and your parents need you, it'll be for a relatively short period compared to the years they cared for you. And again, forgive me, I'd say there's something deeply moving when, as an adult, your aged parent requires you to bath them, clean them up after incontinence, wipe away, wipe away all the muck, clear up their sick. Very moving, actually. You feel the circle is really turned, and you realize, yeah, I owe you this. Not begrudgingly, but golly, you did this for a lot more time than I'll do it for you. In childhood obey, as your young adults share, in their old age, support them. Uh, why do we honor so that it goes well? Uh, how do we honor in those different ways? They're just suggestions uh, of the, I know mean, it's caricature, isn't it, to divide life into three. Last little thing then, where do we get some strength to honor? Where do we get the power to do it? For some of us, this is hard. And uh, for many of you, you think, well, actually, mum and dad are great, and they just, it's TLC. Yeah, and I've just suggested that at some point in your life, it might become hard. And some of you really do know that now. Of course, the other thing is, it is an attitude of the heart that goes beyond duty. Honour, it's a heart attitude. Of course, it's seen practically, but revere, treat as enormously significant. This doesn't mean, oh, I re- my... Parents drive me nuts, but I'm obliged to go and visit them, and I'm, oh, that doesn't tick the box on this one. It's an attitude of the heart. So you have to pray, if you're really struggling with it, that God will change your heart. What do you do? And I'm not saying it's instant or quick. And I do know that a number here have parents that are very hard. To honor. What can you do to help you in that? While being realistic, you know, the, you've got a dad who's 54 years old and has left your mom and is now with a 23 year old woman. It's just really hard when you go and visit to say, oh, you know, hello, everyone's happy, aren't they? It's just profoundly hard. A deeply unreasonable, cantankerous parent 
You just walk through the door of their house and they just find fault with everything you do and say for the next few hours. Yeah, that's hard. It's going to look very different in our different settings. What do you do if you're really struggling? Well, of course, you look to Jesus. You look to Jesus who honoured his parents, Joseph and Mary, who told at the end of Luke chapter 2 that he was obedient to them. Doesn't it make you smile, something like that? <laughs> he obeyed the creatures he'd made. <laughs> Extraordinary. I think Joseph and Mary were probably flawed. And there you've got the one perfect man ever to walk the planet, just thinking, oh, idiots, but I love you, I love you, I love you. <laughs> you know, that's very unreasonable. We'll take this up in glory, won't we? Um, <laughs> Jesus, go to your bedroom. Okay, you got that one wrong, but it's all right. <laughs> your eternity's a long time, and we'll all just smile then. Amazing, isn't it? Amazing, his patience. Even as he dies upon the cross, you're reading John's gospel, he says to John, would you care for my mother? Even at that moment in time. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus who glorified his father through obedience in all things. I'm not saying that transforms a terrible parent and you can love them like that. I'm not saying it. But over time, the pain can get less. Over time, perhaps your compassion for them in their wickedness even. You don't condone their sin, but your compassion for them can grow. Look to Jesus. Look to God the Father. Can you turn back with me just a couple of pages? Deuteronomy chapter 1. What's that? One page 179. We looked at this uh, probably about this time last year. It was a different series, by the way, if you've joined us since last year. It's not that we've only got through four chapters of Deuteronomy in 12 months. Because it's just a... But um, this lovely picture of God as a father just here. Of course, the New Testament would amplify it. But Deuteronomy 1, uh, page 179, verse 30. The Lord your God who is going before you will fight for you as he did for you in Egypt before your very eyes and in the wilderness. There, I love this picture. There you saw how the Lord your God carried you. As a father carries his son all the way you went until you reach this place. The Lord carries you as a father carries his son. And so perhaps, perhaps the disappointment some of us feel with our own fathers, with our own mothers, perhaps the disappointments we feel with our parents can, can drive us to the, the perfect father. Perhaps that we say, no, in this life, I have suffered and endured the worst of fatherhood. But that's not what fatherhood is. I can see that there is one who is good. You look to the Jesus, look to the Father. Look to the work of the Spirit who dwells within you. And over time, over time can grow in you the power to forgive the worst of parents. You know, forgiveness, it's a decision you take 
and then a process you have to go through every day of your life. But you can, over time. Look to the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Look to the future. The promise of Deuteronomy 5 to the Israelites, if you honor your parents, it'll go. you live long in the land of Canaan, and it'll go well with you. The promise to Christians, of course, is not that, because we have no physical land. But, of course, the promise is if you... If, as a Christian, you honor God the Father and you seek to honor your parents the best you can, we never get it right perfectly. But we don't live long in the land of Canaan. We live forever in the new heavens and the new earth. And it goes well with us. You get to reign with Jesus, your older brother. So keep looking to the Lord. Trust that all your failures as children, or indeed as adults, uh, as parents, Jesus can atone for them. He forgives us. Keep turning back. For those of us for whom this is profoundly hard, it is profoundly hard. And I am not saying it's easy. But the attitude can change over time. For some who are now thinking, God, my parents are all right, actually. <laughs> yeah, give them a call. Give them a call. Share your life. Let's pray together. Hey, great God and Father, you, you know us all individually. You care for us all profoundly. As a father may carry up an exhausted toddler and lift him onto his shoulders, you carry us, Father, through the worst of times. Lord, so you know where we're at. And so help us, help us even as we talk afterwards to know how to apply this. For some... We have great parents and we have so much to give you thanks for, for all they've done for us and shaped us and taught us. And we are ungrateful and should let them know how more often that they're great. They had flaws, but basically they did a great job. Father, would we be grateful? For some of us, this is a profoundly hard, perhaps the hardest of the 10 words. Help us work out what it means for us. For some, it's right that we never see our parents because they've been so bad. But then in how we speak of them, perhaps, in how in our own hearts we can learn to forgive them, help us grow in that. Father, help us do this for our good. And we thank you that when we look to you, we do see a Father who is good. Amen.